Section 6A of Bible Defense of Slavery by Josiah Priest. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Section 6. As remarked at the close of the foregoing section, it will be our endeavor in the following to ascertain whether, in the law of Moses, the judicial act of God against the race of Ham, as announced by Noah, was endorsed and acted upon accordingly by the Hebrews. To do this, it will not be necessary to prove, in this section, that the inhabitants of Canaan, whom the Jews were to destroy, were of the genealogy of Ham, including the whole seven nations of that country, and were the direct descendants of this man through Canaan, a son of his, as all this has been done in the fourth section of the work, and elsewhere. On this account, our labor is therefore straight before us, namely, to ascertain whether, in the law of Moses, the curse of Noah against Ham and his people is actually recognized, endorsed, and acted upon as judicial, in relation to their enslavement, in the strict and literal sense of the word. In a certain chapter of the book of Leviticus, namely the 25th, are found sundry directions embodied in the law of Sinai, respecting servants of various kinds. Here it is found written that any Hebrew, having bought, not hired, a Hebrew servant, should not be oppressed or ruled over with vigor, as they would rule over or oppress a bondman not derived from the Hebrew stock. From the 35th to the 46th verse, inclusive, of the above-named chapter, it is written as follows, except the words included in brackets, which are inserted to carry out and to distinguish the true meaning and to prevent confusion. And if thy brother, that is, a Hebrew, one of the twelve tribes, be waxen poor, and fall into decay with thee, or in thy midst. Then thou shalt relieve him, yea, though he be a stranger, that is, far from his own tribe, or a sojourner, that is, one who had come from another tribe, that he may live with thee. Take thou no usury of him, or increase, but fear thy God, in this thing, that thy brother, that is, a Hebrew, or of the Hebrew blood, not a negro, may live with thee, thou shalt not give him, that is, a Hebrew brother, one of the tribes, thy money upon usury, nor lend him thy victuals for increase, and if thy brother, that is, not a Hamite, that dwelleth by thee, be waxen poor, and he be sold unto thee, that is, on thy account, thou shalt not compel him to serve as a bond-servant, but as a hired servant, and as a sojourner, that is, a Hebrew brother, one of the tribes, he shall be with thee, and serve thee unto the year of jubilee, and then shall he depart from thee, that is, if he desire to do so.
both he and his children with him, if he has any, and shall return unto his own family, or tribe, and unto the possession of his fathers shall he return. For they are my servants, which I brought out of the land of Egypt. They shall not be sold as bondmen. Thou shalt not rule over him, or such an one, with rigor, as you may over a bond-slave, but shall fear thy God, in this particular. From the above, it is clear that by the term brother, no other character is specified as being entitled to the above-named privileges, as paupers, of whom no usury was to be taken for money or victuals, but a regular Hebrew, or one of the twelve tribes. This is made clear by the qualifying words of the account, which says, For they are my servants, which I brought out of the land of Egypt. Now God brought no Canaanites or Negroes out of Egypt. They were wholly of the twelve tribes of the Hebrews. Thus we see that Moses marked out in the law the difference there was between bond servants, hired servants, and servants of the Hebrew tribes, who might be sold on account of their poverty. But in the law there are other strangers alluded to, who were neither of any of the twelve tribes, nor of the Canaanite race, of whom the Hebrews might take usury of money or victuals. Deuteronomy chapter 23 verse 20 but could not legally make bondmen of them. These were the race of Shem, and not of the twelve-tribe community, who were dwelling in the surrounding countries. Of such there were many in the time of Moses, as well as during the whole existence of the Jewish people, as a kingdom or government, who, in the law, are never called heathen, as were all the negro race. There were the descendants of Lot, Abraham's half-brother. There were the children of Keturah, born to Abraham long before the birth of Isaac, who, when they were grown up and married, were sent eastward with their inheritances. See Genesis chapter 25, from the first to the sixth verse inclusive. By this first marriage, Abraham had no less than six sons, who, according to the history of them given in the above trait in the book of Genesis, were the fathers of multitudes, all of whom settled eastward of Chaldea, and took place before God commanded Abraham to leave his father's house in Haran, in old Chaldea, east of the river Euphrates, in order to go to the country of Canaan, far to the southwest. We come to this conclusion, respecting Abraham, from the necessity of the case. For Abraham was, at the death of Sarah, one hundred and thirty-seven years old, as he was ten years older than his wife, who died at the age of one hundred and twenty-seven. Genesis chapter twenty-three, verse one. Of necessity, therefore, Abraham's wife, Keturah, was his first wife, who he had married in his youth and was dead when he took Sarah, and came to Canaan, on which account his great age, 
that of one hundred and thirty-seven years, he could not have been the father of the above-named six sons after the death of Sarah, as the order of the history in Genesis chapter twenty-five seems to intimate, which is a mistake of the Hebrew copyists and compilers of the ancient scriptures. Then there was Ishmael, the son of Hagar, the Egyptian bondservant of Sarah, born to Abraham, of whom came many nations, now known, as in ancient times, as Arabs or Ishmaelites. These were also the descendants of Esau, the brother of Jacob, who were known as the Idumeans. There were the descendants of Laban, the Syrian, a near relation of Abraham, all of whom, together with those above named, amounted to millions in the time of the giving of the law, and during the nationality of the Jews, who were the strangers alluded to, of whom the Hebrews might take usury or interest for lent victuals or lent money, as it is superficially stated in Deuteronomy chapter 23, verse 20, but not of their brethren, which appellation brother always meant a member of the great confederacy of the twelve tribes and nobody else that this was the case respecting the term strangers we have the favoring opinion of adam clark in his remarks on the second chronicles chapter fifteen verse nine the text reads as follows and he that is asa gathered all Judah and Benjamin, and the strangers with them, out of Ephraim, Manasseh, and Simeon. From this it is clear that members of the twelve tribes were called strangers, if dwelling at a distance from Judea, or the capital, who were not to be charged with usury on any account, while other strangers should be. Of their brethren, therefore, they could not take usury, but of all strangers they might, whether black, white, or red. But of no stranger did the law of Moses allow bondmen or bondmaids to be made, except of the Negro or Hamite race, for to that people alone did the curse of servitude refer, which fact was as well known to Moses as to God and all the Hebrew tribes, as well as to the people of Ham themselves, with all other nations. That the law of Moses did not allow of any stranger being oppressed in the matter of slavery, who were not of the race of Ham, is shown, Exodus chapter 22, verse 21, where it is written, Thou shalt neither vex a stranger, nor oppress him, for ye were strangers in the land of Egypt. And yet, for the very purpose of oppressing and vexing the negro Canaanites, the Jews were sent into the land of Canaan, by which it is most evident that the term stranger in the law did not apply to that people, the Canaanites, in the palliative or merciful sense. But how is this, says one, the text just now quoted out of Exodus chapter 22 verse 21 
straightly says that no stranger should be oppressed nor vexed and yet from leviticus chapter 25 verse 45 it appears that strangers might be sold and bought for slaves or bondmen is not this a plain contradiction one text forbidding the oppression of a stranger and another allowing it and both passages written in the same law and apparently about the same thing the following is the solution or as it appears to the mind of the writer there is no solution at all to these seemingly contradictory scriptures when moses in the law and at the twenty-fifth division or chapter of the part called leviticus had made an end of his remarks and directions about various kinds of servants with other matters introduced a new subject see verse forty four namely that of unqualified slavery or of bond servants which he commences as follows both thy bondmen and thy bondmaids which thou shalt have shall be of the heathen that are round about you of them shall ye buy bondmen and bondmaids in this passage it is clear that the law of moses preemptorily directed that all their perpetual slaves or bond servants should be procured from among the heathen negro race the very people to whom the curse of noah referred and are always referred to as heathens whether canaanites egyptians libyans or ethiopians all of whom are referred to as heathen in the most emphatic sense of the word in the law the terms gentile and heathen as used in the scriptures seems always to be of synonymous import but in the law of moses it would appear that the word heathen designated solely the people of canaan and the other branches of the negro race the term gentile is not found in any of the books of the law of moses properly so called for the book of genesis is not to be numbered as any part of the law or code of that legislator the law does not properly commence until the book of exodus and runs through the remaining four commonly called the books of moses on account of the absence of the word or term gentile in the books of the law properly so called for the book of genesis is but a narrative or history of the first ages of the earth and no part of the law we conclude that the word heathen as used in the law by moses referred solely to the canaanites and to their race the blacks or negroes in general we are the more confirmed in this opinion because Moses himself calls the people of Japheth, who were white men, Gentiles. See Genesis chapter 10, verse 5. In that chapter, namely the tenth, Moses has given an account of three races of men, the sons of Noah, and what they were called as nations. 
in this account, which is the oldest of all history, at the fifth verse of the chapter above named, the descendants of Japheth are called Gentiles, in distinction from the other two races, those of Shem and Ham. In after ages, however, the terms Gentile and heathen seem to have become synonyms, as referring to all the people of the globe except the Jews. But in the law, the word Gentile does not occur. The word heathen, therefore, as used by Moses, referred exclusively, at that time, to the Negro race, and to no other people. This opinion cannot be refuted. The term heathen, therefore, as used in the law, referred entirely to the race of Ham, who had been judicially condemned to a condition of servitude more than eight hundred years before the giving of the law by the mouth of Noah, the medium of the Holy Ghost. The law was given from Mount Sinai, which was southward from Canaan. Now Moses said in the law that when they, that is the Jews, should come into that country, that of the heathen round about them, they should make bondmen or slaves of the people in those regions. And as there were no other people inhabiting old Canaan but the Negroes of the race of Ham, it is certain that by the term heathen no other people were alluded to. In the time of St. Paul, the term Gentile, as in the days of Noah, see Genesis chapter 10 verse 5, referred to the nations of the white race, as it is written by that apostle in several of his letters to the churches, that he was the apostle of the Gentiles. Can it be shown that Paul ever preached to a Negro people at all? If not, then it follows that the word Gentile still referred to white men in his time, as to Greeks, Romans, Gauls, Italians, Spaniards, and other nations of the north, but never to the Negro race. The strangers, therefore, to whom Moses alluded in Leviticus chapter 25 verse 45, were the people of Ham in all countries, whether Canaan, Egypt, Ethiopia, Libya, or any other country or place inhabited by Negroes. This distinction is made still more clear by St. Luke, chapter 21, verse 24, where the power which was finally to destroy Jerusalem is called the Gentiles, who, it is well known, were the Romans, an empire of white men. This is further proven from the statement of that apostle in Acts chapter 28, verse 28, who, while at Rome, was a prisoner. In that passage, it is said that, as though Jews rejected the gospel, that he should turn to the Gentiles, and that they would receive it. Paul was then in the very heart of the Roman or Gentile states, and therefore, of necessity, proves that the term signified no other race but that of the whites. This verse, therefore, 
the forty-fifth of the twenty-fifth of leviticus must be considered as the context or guide in relation to the word stranger on this subject consequently in verse the forty-sixth the one which follows the text above quoted is qualified by the first if so then the word stranger there used refers not to any of the shemite or japhetic races but only to the heathen race of ham with this view all is made right the stranger of exodus chapter twenty two verse twenty one signifying all people not of the negro race while the stranger of leviticus chapter twenty five verse forty five refers to all negroes or people of ham though not strictly canaanites as doubtless there were among the canaanites always more or less people families and even whole tribes of the other families of ham's lineage such as egyptians libyans and ethiopians who might properly be denominated strangers in canaan or heathens of those descents from other countries than those of canaan thus we have reconciled the two contradicting passages as we believe in the estimation of all candid men having thus cleared up a difficulty in the law of moses which has misled many a fierce abolition writer and probably others we pass to the main subject that of ascertaining whether the law of moses did endorse and inculcate the doctrine of the curse of noah upon the children of ham which we affirm was the fact the proof of this direct and unequivocal furnished from the law of that great legislator of the jews moses who was the immediate agent of jehovah himself to that people see leviticus chapter twenty five from the forty-fourth to the forty-sixth verse inclusive which reads as follows both thy bondmen and thy bondmaids which thou shalt have shall be of the heathen that are round about of them shall ye buy not hire bondmen and bondmaids moreover of the children of the strangers that is the children of negroes foreign to canaan who might be dwelling among the canaanites that do or may sojourn with you of them shall ye buy children of their families that are with you which they beget or might beget in your land that is canaan after the jews should possess it and they shall be your possession and ye shall take them as an inheritance for your children after you to inherit them as a possession they shall be your bondmen for ever was this buying the children of the heathen canaanites and using them as bondmen and bondmaids or in other words as slaves nothing after all but a privilege granted by moses to the hebrews of hiring them as is pretended by abolitionists 
in order to get rid of the force of those passages of the law in support of the enslaving of the negro race but men as wise as any of these even clark and benson in their renowned commentaries of the scriptures have not gainsaid their meaning in this particular these champions of knowledge though english abolitionist pass entirely over these extraordinary passages without one solitary remark this strange omission is in our opinion as much as if they had said that the fact of the endorsement of the law of moses upon the curse of noah in relation to the people of ham is here incontrovertibly made out on which account they are not bold enough though abolitionists to contradict that decision of heaven how is it that adam clark who was the most learned man in christendom and a man who has criticized wisely and profoundly on almost every verse of the holy scriptures and particularly on those involving the most difficult subjects should have thus passed silently over this remarkable trait in the book of the law had he considered that portion of the holy text above his comprehension or beyond the reach of human understanding and as containing matter too obscure for the lights of science and criticism to penetrate he would have said as much but this he has not done other commentators however have not thus withheld their opinions on these passages although the doctrine contained in them is exceedingly repulsive to the minds of many among such as have ventured an opinion is dr john gill a baptist commentator on the holy scriptures of great learning who wrote before the times of abolitionism this divine has boldly asserted as every unprejudiced reader would do that the hebrews in those three famous verses of the law were allowed to have real bondmen or slaves the following are his words on the forty-sixth verse of the twenty-fifth chapter of leviticus which reads and ye shall take them as an inheritance for your children after you such servants quote, they might leave at their death to be inherited as they did their estates and lands for such servants are says gill esteemed by the jews to be like immovable property as fields vineyards etc to inherit them for a possession as their property like anything else that was bequeathed to them as negroes now are in our plantations abroad they were to be their bondmen for ever and not to be released at the year of jubilee the above is a true comment for in every age the jews as well as the more ancient hebrews their ancestors have reckoned their bond slaves as property and thus every commentator in every age and language upon the holy scriptures have determined except of late as in the persons of all abolitionists 
End of section 6A.